This segment is brought to you by Jigmasters. Step up your game with high-quality performance jigs, spinner baits, buzz baits, and more from Jigmasters.com. And always, when in doubt, get the jig out. Welcome to the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast on the Paddle and Fin Network. On this podcast, we'll be talking about life and kayak fishing. Every week, we'll have a special guest, whether it's a tournament angler, a content creator, or just a regular guy or girl who just loves to go kayak fishing. So grab a cold beer, sit back, and enjoy the show. Bass Kayak and Beers is sponsored in part by Douglas Rod. Go to douglasoutdoors.com to check out their full lineup and locate your nearest authorized dealer. Yak Gadget, made in America, based outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Yak Gadget offers all kinds of storage accessories, quick mount motor mounts, anchor systems, track monitored accessories, even paddles. Go to yakgadget.com and get your kayak decked out for your next trip out on the water. The 153 Bay Company, based in Troy, Ohio, make everything from plastics to custom painted hard baits. Hook them hard and hook them off. All of our baits are made to order and all of our hard baits are hand painted to order. So go to the153anglers.com to place your order today. Welcome once again to the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast on the Paddle and Fin Network. As always, it's your boy Armando. And today, super excited uh, to have my special guest for the day. Uh, a lot of my Texan peeps know who this guy is. Total hammer here in Texas. But he's making a noise in the national spotlight. And before he really goes big, because he will, trust me, this kid is super talented. And I'm super excited to have him on my podcast. And you're going to hear his name uh for years to come, God permitting. So we got Brian Howell. How you doing, man? Great. How are you? I didn't pump up that intro too much, right? Didn't make you uncomfortable or anything like that? No, no, Not putting too much pressure? Just perfect amount. <laughs> I think so. I think yeah. so. Um, like I was saying, man, you've you really uh, come a long way in the last few years. Um, and I'd be really interested to get you on my show for different topics that I want to pick your brain at. But uh, first of all, for those that don't, I'm not familiar with Brian Howell. Tell us a little bit about Brian Howell. Um, you know, how do you got into fishing and kayak fishing and tournament fishing? All right. Well, uh, so originally I kind of got into fishing when I was younger. My grandpa would take me every once in a while. And I just progressed to a point where, like, I just really wanted to go all the time. And it got to a point where my parents would just drop me off at the lake all the time. We'd just fish off the bank. Me, my little brothers, I have two brothers that I'd go fishing with a lot or like uh, my one of my friends from school like during high school and we just go all the time and then eventually uh, I got a float tube and that just changed everything because you know bank fishing it's fun and everything but once you can actually like, get out on the water and just go and wherever you want it opens up a lot of new places to you so I started doing that for a while I uh, started doing float tube tournaments like every year where I'm from uh, in, in California. They have like the float tube derby at Castaic Lagoon. And so they have three of those every year. So I do those and, you know, I would win plaques and, you know, first place. I won Angler a year once. Those were always really fun to do. Uh, and then eventually I moved to Texas and, you know, you come out here and really nobody float tubes. So I was thinking about getting a boat. <laughs> like, yeah, there's no, you don't go out and like, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone on a float tube in a lake in Texas, maybe like ponds or something or like creeks. I don't know, but 
like you said, you said you uh, float tube before. But I just I, I rarely, rarely hear of anyone doing it. So two years ago, if, two years ago, if you went on to Levon Lake on a Friday, you probably see me uh, doing float tube over there. So I used to love doing float tube <laughs> over there. But yeah. anyways, I digress. Go ahead. We were talking about. So you moved into kayak fishing. Yeah. So I moved. Well, it was kind of. It wasn't like immediately I moved into kayak fishing. I was thinking about getting a boat and I was very close to just buying a bass boat because I had some money saved up and everything. I was like thinking about, it. I was like, man, like this is a big investment and it's not just buying the boat. You have the maintenance costs and like, oh, I'm going to have to rig it up with like two graphs and a new trolling motor and all this other stuff. Like I'm like adding it all up in my head. I'm like, I don't know if this is a good financial investment for me right now. And I was like, ah, you know what? Like, there's a like I see kayak fishing is pretty popular out here. Let me go to Mariner Sales, and like I didn't know, you know that Mariner Sales was a really awesome place. I just knew some kayak dealer. I was like, okay, let me go in there, and I talked to a few people in there, and I was like, okay, this seems really cool. And you now I was looking at different kayaks, did some research, and then eventually I just got a bona fide SS 127 because I was, didn't want to get like something super cheap, but I didn't want to spring for the Hobie right away. I was, I just kind of wanted to see if I liked kayaking first. So I got that. No you know? <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, in hindsight, honestly, I should have gone straight for the Hobie because I would just wasn't a fan of paddling. Like I maybe because I was yep. from the float tube world where, you know, you just use your feet for everything and then your hands free fishing the whole time. So I was already used to the hands free fishing. So I was like doing that for a while. And I was like, man, I love being on the kayak. I love just being, you know, quiet, stealthy, you know, just peaceful out there. You're just on the water and it's just peaceful. So I loved the kayak aspect of it, but I didn't like paddling. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go just sell this and spring for a Hobie. So maybe six months later, I went for the Hobie and I got a Hobie Outback in 2019 and just immediately loved that thing that thing i mean it was so nice to just be pedaling and i couldn't believe that the difference honestly like if it's you know it's fun to paddle and everything but i don't know for me personally i just needed pedals and so i used that for a couple of years and it's i mean there's nothing wrong with the outback it eventually just got to a point where my my wife also had a paddle kayak and I was like, oh, she's she doesn't want to paddle anymore either. <laughs> she wants to pedal. So then she wanted to either get it, you know, her own kayak or just use mine. So I was like, okay, well, let's just buy a Pro Angler 360 and then I can use that and she can use my outback or she can use that and I can use the outback. It doesn't really matter. They're both great kayaks. So I got the second yep. kayak and now that's what I've been in for the last probably seven, eight months, something like that. The Pro Angler 360. How's that worked out for you? Oh, I love it. I mean, it's I know, right? It's just ridiculous, like being able to turn like it's nothing. Like you can just navigate through the stumps and everything, like on a dime, or you're gonna, you know, hit a dock or something, and you're fishing it. You know, just a little rotate a little bit, and you're good. Like you don't have to push off anything with your paddle. You literally never break the paddle out because sometimes I feel like even in the you know pedal boats, you have to break out the paddle just because you can't push off like immediately like, you can't pedal away from something like if you're directly on it you know it kind of takes a little bit of room to make the turn but with the 360 you're just instantly you know one direction okay i want to go this way boom just the other direction 
I know that's I I just recently got my Hobie 360 and you know people say well it's not going to make you a better fisherman I I believe it does. We were talking that I was talking about that with Brad Hicks. I don't know if I was on Brad show uh Final Castle he was a special uh-huh. guest on mine. But either ways the conversation was we started talking about that and I think um my opinion it's not that it's fishing is a lot about knowledge and applying that knowledge wisdom if if i may you know you have the knowledge how do you apply it as the wisdom so knowledge and wisdom goes together and that's what's going to take you to the next level i think skill i've always said skill is about 10% of it when you look at and i've mentioned this before in my podcast as well when you look at christine fisher the way she's able to skip um you know and pinpoint and not that i'm sure yeah. like everybody else um even Ross Snyder, you backlash every once. If you're not backlashing, you're not trying hard enough. Yeah. <laughs> but being consistently be able to put the bait where few people can is also part of it. But it's, I mean, it's no point in having the skills if you don't know what bait to use and where to use them. So I think to me, I always say 90% of it is is knowledge and um, and applying that knowledge, wisdom, and 10% of it is skill. That's just, you know, kind of make up numbers, kind of. You know, saying what's more important than the other thing. Athletic ability is, I don't think, pedaling faster or casting longer is necessarily going to make you a better fisherman. It's going to win you in tournaments. I mean, it it will in in one point, but it's not like you're the fastest pedaler, therefore you're going to have success kind of thing. Yeah. But going back to my original um, statement is like, the fact that uh, like a uh, Hobie 360 opens the door for you and it facilitates your fishing so much that it does make you a better angler. I mean, if you yeah. have already kind of like a basic fundamental knowledge of fishing and a little bit of skill, having a platform that more stable is going to make you better. The fact that you can, like you just mentioned, you cast into a tree, which I've done more than I would like to admit, and I don't have to go all around just to get to the yeah, spot, I can just exactly. beeline it. I literally point the drive to wherever it is that the bait is, and it's a straight point. It saves me like five minutes, stuff like that. So I think it does. It's. I'm not saying it's worth the investment if you can't afford it, but I do believe it does make you – If it opens the door. You yeah. know, for somebody that knows that's the basic knowledge of fishermen, it does open the door to be become a better fisherman, I think. Yeah. To me, it's more about efficiency. Like, if you're more efficient on the water, your bait's going to be in the water more. So instead yeah. of, you know, breaking out my paddle and pushing off and readjusting, I can just quickly dart over to the right or whatever, and boom, I saved myself a few seconds right there. And my bait's in the water a few seconds longer than, you know, yeah. somebody that doesn't have the same boat. Or even people make the argument for like motors, like, oh, motors don't make you a better fisherman or you're not going to be better with the motor. Well, you're going to be more efficient with the motor if you're going to be going faster and you're not going to be as tired because you're just going to be going to your next spot. You're going to cover more water quickly with the motor because you're going to spend less time pedaling between the areas. You're just going to be going over there real quick. And then by the time you get to the area, you're going to be like at your peak physical, you know, everything because you're not going to be tired out from making a four and a half mile an hour, four mile an hour pedal to the next spot. So to me, everything, it's all about efficiency when you're, yeah, of course it doesn't tell you how to make a cast or like, Oh, you need to use this bait, but it's efficient. It's more efficient. 
Yeah, I know. It also, it's going to be like a motor is going to be, I think it's going to get work on the high pressure situations where a fish are off the bank, whether it's because it's too hot or too cold and you have to go deeper and it's windy and stuff like that. Yeah. Spawning, like we saw on Lake Fork, um, uh, Nate Gloria, and I forgot who who came in second place. They both had outbacks with no motors on it. Yeah. And they both won because obviously if you're going to go in deep into, um, you know, Two yeah, feet of water. To, yeah, then at th- th- that point, uh, uh, spot lock or a or even yeah. uh, high definition uh, live target, whatever it yeah. is, garment. It's not. It's not no. Good. No. But it does have its place, and it does give you an advantage. Yeah, hundred percent has its place. Like, say you're fishing offshore in summertime, you know, twenty foot of water. Some guy has spot lock, and you don't. Well, he has a clear advantage with that. And if someone has live scope, and you know, you don't. Like they're gonna have a big advantage offshore, but you know the spawn tournaments. It kind of, I guess, levels the playing field to an extent because you don't need the electronics, you don't need the motor, you don't need any of that stuff. You, I mean, the paddle guys. You know, a lot of the times you're in such skinny water, you can't even yep. use your drive on your Hobie or whatever. You might have to be breaking out the paddle. So the paddle guy has, you know, the same, for the most part, the same, you know, playing field as the guy with all the bells and whistles. Yeah. But even like um, Rolando Nandin, which I just got him last week, he won the TKC and he credits it to, to his um, live scope. He was telling yeah. me, I think either scope or live target is the one for Lawrence. Active target. Uh, uh, Active target. Oh, I'm horrible with the names. But the he, he I, I, think, I think he has one of those two. I can't remember. I don't think he has the hummingbird. Um, but he has one of those two. Um, and he credited. He says, hey, man, you know, big reason why he won the tournament is because he can see where the fish how deep they were how they were reacting to the bait and then he made the color changes and the change in speed as a retrieval so you know having that information you know on it you know became invaluable you know yeah that, so it does have its advantage at some point yeah 100 percent. i mean even you follow for me like i i got live scope maybe a month ago so i'm still learning it and everything but even though you follow like my last two fish I got off brush piles out deep and like my, I had a few other buddies that are fishing brush piles and they're like oh I didn't have a single bite in practice off brush piles or whatever I'm like dude like I can see I'm reacting to it you know and you know make adjustments you just not just like casting like oh there's no fish there you think that maybe but no you see them on the live scope you're like there's fish there I just need to like they're kind of sort of interested in it you just need to keep you know hitting them on the head with it or make an adjustment or something. And it definitely helped me for that. Cause That's the morning a good time. Point. Let me ask you this. And I know I kind of veered off topic because I want to, I want to focus most of the show on you and uh, your growth as an angler. But since we mentioned it, I know Rolando Nandin was telling me he took him like a year and a half, two years to really found success with the live scope. Two years ago, there wasn't many YouTube videos about how to use a live scope. It wasn't until recently yeah. with the, uh, you know, fishing the moment um, and other YouTube channels that focus on, you know, kind of seminars or webinars on how to use it. Uh, how does it feel for you? Do you feel like, a, how do you implement the, the, the live scope without, because it obviously hasn't affect you with your tournament success. If anything, you've become better um, or at least you're getting more uh, attention on a level. How yeah. do you implement that live scope to your fishing abilities that you already have before that without hampering 
your fishing abilities? Just don't get too drawn into it. I mean, you have to be disciplined. I mean, you can always just look at it, stare at it, because I know some people that would definitely you know stare at it all day, not do anything else. And sometimes you just have to know, like say they're up shallow and they're spawning or something and they're in the grass or whatever. Like you're not going to see that fish on the live scope. It's just not going to help you. Like, yeah, you can have it out and on and everything kind of read like the grass lines or whatever, and maybe see some fish swimming around the edges, but you're just going to have to focus and fish the moment. Honestly, it's, it's more about discipline than anything. Probably. I, I think, and I don't have a live scope, but I've went through the process of, having a kayak, fishing out of a kayak, and then getting a fish finder, and uh -huh. then completely forgetting how I fish. I was like, I struggled so much. I was like, <laughs> like three days you know, out in the kayak to finally catch a fish. I'm like, you know, what the heck? And I think it's one of those things where it's like, it's not meant to substitute what you already have yeah. in your arsenal. You know, as far as your knowledge, it's meant to confirm some of the things you already learned and kind of like, make adjustments to your game yeah. but not yeah. substitute your game that makes any sense yeah that makes a lot of sense to me that i mean that's what i would say too probably just you know help have it like if you're i mean if you're not a brush pile fisherman and you want to go use it on brush piles or something like you're probably still not going to do that great yeah it's going to help you for sure but if you don't know how to you know fish a brush pile the live scope's not going to tell you how to fish a brush pile it's just going to tell you that there's fish there and how they're reacting just giving point. you additional information yeah it's it's uh, it's up to the angler to put the pieces together yeah That's i know some point. people say like mm. i don't know it's really hard to learn it and all this stuff for me i mean it's like right out the box i kind of just picked it up immediately it just knowing what i'm looking at and everything i don't know it's just if you probably if you have more experience just reading you know side imaging and down imaging and 2d sonar then you probably would have a better idea of everything just looking at it straight out of the box and some guy that had no sonar nothing you know and just instantly jumped into live scope like i guess i could see that they wouldn't understand it but it's definitely you pop it out the box you're gonna probably immediately you know know kind of somewhat at least what you're looking at yeah and i think it also and i mean like i said i haven't used live scope and i'm, I'm not in your shoes to say that, but my guess it's something like you already you already a, uh, an accomplished angler. You're very good at what you do, and that live score when you got it, it wasn't like a total revelation of like, oh, I didn't know that. To you, it was confirmation what you already knew. So it's like, yeah, yeah this is why I already knew. I, I'm just I can just see it live now, but it wasn't like it taught you something that you didn't know or it changed your game. It's just amplified you what you the tools that you already had at your disposal. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I I noticed you know you see in certain guys like doing well and like oh yeah here they had live scope and it helped them and everything. And you're like thinking like huh it would definitely help me too and I don't want to get left behind. Basically that's how it was like I don't want to be behind the curve when everybody has it. So I want to kind of get ahead of it a little bit. I mean I'm not by I'm by no means am I like early to it or anything. I'm kind of a little bit late, not compared to, I guess, at the masses, but in relation to some of these guys have probably had it for over a year, two years. I don't know. Well, and that 
I mean, I wouldn't say late because it's still is in infancy's level. I mean, yeah. five years from now, you're probably gonna be like, man, I was one of the pioneers when he came to live scope. <laughs> you know, now it's complete. Now it's really video game. You know, every yeah, I probably. mean, the advances in technology is gonna be like you wonder what's gonna be like five, ten years from now. That technology. Yeah, it'll probably be insane. So you moved in from California and um to texas how long ago was that about two and a half years ago oh so you're you know just fresh out of california straight from california no stopovers yeah places in between no just like i lived in la in california my whole life and uh, just one day i was like you know what i don't like it here anymore and we kind of just moved a few months later and moved to bfw just that's just, I don't know, it was kind of sudden, honestly. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Oh, so it's like it wasn't something like you got planned or anything. It was just kind of like spur of the moment situations changed and you like, yeah, have to go. Yeah, kind of. It was like I, like one day, I think the story goes like my wife asked me like it, like she was unhappy there. And then she she was like, oh, like, are you like, are you OK? Like, I never ask if you're you know, doing all right and everything. I was like, eh, I don't really like it here and all this stuff. And then she's like, well, I didn't even know that you didn't like living here and everything. And I was like thinking about it. I was like, I don't, the only reason I live in California before was because I was born there and like my family's there and everything. But I just felt like it wasn't the place for me, you know? I was like, there has to be somewhere better that just fits my lifestyle, I guess, better and my just like in California, fishing is not, it's just not that popular, I would say, compared yeah. to Texas. Like you move to Texas and it's like fishing and hunting are a lifestyle. It's completely yeah. different. What yeah, part like of California everybody. do you used to live? Los Angeles. Southern California? Yeah, oh, Southern, California. Southern California. Oh, yeah, it's a big difference. I like I have friends in Long Beach and San Diego and all that. And I like it, but I can't live there. I was like, no, yeah, exactly. Like It's nice. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to visit. And I mean, the beaches are awesome and everything, but. It's so crowded. There's traffic everywhere. The lakes are all small and like there's nothing wrong with small lakes, but the rules that they have at the lakes is just it's like Nazi level stuff. You know, it's like, oh, you can't be here or there. And oh, the lake opens at this time. And if you're five minutes late, you know, you're getting a ticket or whatever. And all this stuff is ridiculous out there. Yeah, I've heard a lot of things about that. Yeah, there's very strict about everything. And it's like, if they had rules like that, the lakes here in Texas, people would riot. <laughs> oh, no. 
No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to go down that route. No, yeah. Let's just say that wouldn't happen here. It wouldn't but, happen. Okay, right? so no, it wouldn't happen. No. Man, <laughs> they'll take away their guns before they can <laughs> take away their right to fish it. Oh my god. Yeah, that'll be right. the equal level as saying they're taking away their guns. But okay, so you got so I have to ask you though, because you were on KBN and much respect to Ryan Lambert, Lunch Buddy, uh -huh. which I'm a big fan of this, uh, you know, what he does on the water on his podcast. But he's been on the record and not shy about, you know, throwing shade at California anglers. <laughs> and you were on his show. Did you get a chance? I listened to most of it, but now I'm thinking, did I miss something? Did you get a chance to tell him, hey, what's up with the California hatred here? I don't know. I mean, the, 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 some of the California hate is definitely justified, but <laughs> <laughs> some people take it, you know, to the next level too far, I guess. I don't know. It's 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 funny, though. Did you take offense whenever he's did you hear him when he said on his podcast, the Californians can't fit f fish for you know what? And I <laughs> kind of took a life on his own that statement. Did you take offense to it? Did you like him hey, now? I didn't take know, offense to it at all. I mean, to an extent he's right like i feel like the level of competition at least in the kayak scene so far like it's not the same as you know like texas mm -hmm. like texas you just have so many hammers at least in southern california there's just there's a few guys that you know are really damn good and then you have everyone else which is just i don't know i mean i don't want to hurt any feelings they're okay but they're not you know <laughs> It's not the same level of competition where you have just absolute hammers and even just local events like here, you fish a local event, you know, you have guys that'll just like, you have to be on your game to win, even just a local event with 50 people, you know? Yeah. I, to me, it's interesting. I've always um, find California interesting, both of it from a, a, from a bass fishing standpoint, you know, the geographics of it, you know, it's, the other side of the Rocky Mountains, there's a lot of uh, bass fishing is on the Delta, which is, you know, it's just highly influenced by tide, which is not unless you're fishing down in Galveston, which not a lot of guys do. You know, you're fishing in yeah. um, in um, inland bodies of water, lakes, rivers, but over there it's the Delta, right? So it's it's completely different games. You see guys when it goes when a few times national events in kayak fishing have gone there. Pretty much only Russ Snyder, which was, you know, <laughs> from Cal Cali Boy uh, roots, you know, to begin with. I think he had like a, he run a fishing tour up in, uh, down there in California in the Delta. So he knows the area. But other than him, anybody that's not from California struggles just to make any meaningful place on any tournament that's being fished in California. But the other end, I don't see it. Not a lot of Californians make the drive to this side no, of the Rocky Mountains to fish. Yeah, but even it's those, really those don't seem to have a lot of. Yeah, they don't seem to have that much success. And I can get why it's completely different. I wouldn't say completely different because I haven't fished in California, but I can see how it's very different. You know, something like you know tidal waters in inland waters. It's just a different game, right? Yeah, it's completely different. Even like I've never fished the Delta, you know, before or any I mean I fished like the harbors for saltwater bass and everything in Southern California, but I've never fished like largemouth bass, tidal waters or anything like that. So I can't speak on that. But 
when I did move, it was like almost I had to relearn to fish kind of because it was just so completely different. Like I could relate some stuff for sure, but it was like you come here and it's the the amount, just everything looks good when you in Texas, pretty much like in California, you had a, you know, some reeds or something like there's fish in there. You're going to catch fish because there's only, there's only that one little section of reeds in Southern California, you know, on the lake. So, you know, there's fish there, but then you come to Texas and it's like, you have a mile stretch of reeds. Well, you have to figure out where they are in those reeds, right? <laughs> yeah. So what's, it's just like what do you do much? What is, what was other than that? What was the, like the biggest challenge to Justin? And you, you touched on it, but were there any other challenges out there that stuff that you had to like forget about? as far as your techniques that we, or approach that we do in California that just completely forgot about and says, this is not going to work in Texas. Anything like that that stood out? Honestly, pretty much. I think everything would work really? in both places. You will have to make adjustments like drop shot. Everybody drop shots in California. I mean, it's just yeah. at the lake I fished, like by far the most popular thing that people throw is drop shot. And, you know, you come here and some guys drop shot, but not not even close to the extent of the guys that drop shot in California. And you can still drop shot here. I, I mean, I, it still catches me a ton of fish here, but you know, you can't fish four pound line, six pound line. You got to up it to like 10, like eight minimum, I would say eight to 12, somewhere in there. If you're going to drop shot in Texas, because you're going to be fishing heavy cover versus in California, most of the lakes, you know, are pretty barren. They just have rocks and sand and stuff like that. So you don't have to worry about a fish wrapping you up in timber. Like there's no timber. Mm -hmm. That's a good so point. Pretty much everything else works too. I mean, big swim baits, you can throw that. I feel like some of the stuff doesn't have quite as, it's not quite as good like big swim baits. I feel like in clear water, you it just draws fish from so far that it's better in clear water, but you can still throw it in a little bit more stained water too and it'll work just i feel like maybe not to the same the same extent that's a good point what is what do you think has been the biggest key for you to evolve in the last two years because like i said a lot of you know you've been here for the last two years we've seen you in texas local tournaments just completely put a beat down uh, and you have great success over the last two years um, even though there was a learning curve, now you've stepped into the national level and we saw what you, we seen what you did on the Hobie BOS. Um, we saw what you, how close you were to landing the top five in Ufala and the Bassmasters, which kind of broke my heart because I wanted to see, I was very much yeah. invested emotionally in seeing you <laughs> succeed. Um, and putting your name out there because I've, I, like I said, I've, we know in Texas what you, you know, the guys at fish tournament know that when they look at the tournament and they, the list of anglers and they see your name, it's not a very comforting <laughs> <laughs> feeling to know that Brian Howell is on this tournament. I mean, uh -huh. and as a competitor, I love it. You know, one of yeah. the things where I love the TKC is because, I mean, you fished in it, uh, Guillermo Gonzalez fishes in it, my, Matthew Scotch fishes in it, you know. Um, so I know the level, you know, it's not it's not your small club 
yeah not nothing Better against it but we, we know you know you got the names out there that can be intimidating to fish with i see if i'm like man i will i want to break, break bread with this guy the only way that i'm going to be you know up my game is fishing with people like this it's just knowing that hey you know what uh 80 inches is not going to cut it on this tournament not with <laughs> the guys that are fishing so yeah. what do you think has been biggest factor in your in your development as an angler that's gotten you to this level now probably just fishing my strengths honestly i mean if you can go to any lake and just fish like try not to just do some random thing that you have never done before at a tournament like that just doesn't make sense right just go in with it and uh fish the moment fish your strengths um I what are your strengths on, now that you mentioned oh you have one other thing well while you remember I, that I, what I is your strength but i would say my main strength is fishing grass like if there's grass I'm going to find it and I'm going to fish it probably. I mean, I've done well in other tournaments, not fishing grass, but my best finishes, I would say, are when I'm fishing around grass, like at Seminole or, I mean, I've done well at Fork a few times and that was for the most part, other than one of the tournaments I was fishing grass, uh, one of them was flipping buck brush, but I, I like flipping too. So flipping and fishing grass, like if I can do those two things, I'll generally do well in a tournament. That's I'm interesting. Also, I figured, I figured that would be your weakness, though. Like you just mentioned, you don't have grass in California, so you fish. Well, what, they, you know, ten years fishing without grass, and now two years just fishing with grass, and it's right, become well, your strength. Well, here's the thing: the place that I fished in Southern California, it's a big bowl, right? There's like no points. There's not really many drop offs. There's like one or two. There's like not much rock other than just riprap there's plenty of riprap not any other real rock though and there's not brush piles nothing like that really so you have the just a big bowl but the whole north end of that bowl is grass just straight grass pretty okay. much so you have a huge grass flat so basically my entire life i've been fishing grass so i'm really good in grass i've been up super comfortable with it I just, I mean, you know, in California, the grass kind of dies off completely in the wintertime almost. So, you know, you'd have maybe three, four, five months with no grass. And the rest of the year, you'd have grass. And I would just fish that every, you know, float tube tournament, anything. I would just be up on that north end of the lake, just hammer it out in the grass. That, that most of the other lakes yeah. don't really have too much grass. But that one has just... I mean, it mats up in the summertime, you know, like if you looked at it on Google Earth, you'd be like, man, this looks like an awesome lake. That makes sense, though, because that, that was the one lake that would probably like really transitions well with what you fish in Texas. So it's one of those things where it kind of like honed your skills and you move to ideal spot now that you're in Texas, because that's where a lot of what the lakes you can see here. So I would have thinking, well, if it's not that many grass lakes then how is but now i can i can see how it really because you had like when you look at a lake like that most bass are just going to hang out with the grasses because that's where the structure is everything else exactly. is just like a cereal bowl there's yeah, nothing else bottom. around there's just mud bottom yeah. i mean there's they all just you know 
like that's how kind of how it is though when there's no grass there like pre-spawn they'll just kind of roam out on that flat and you just drag a worm or a drop shot or something around that flat because they're just in random spots just i guess cruising around but once the grass is up it all just draws them right to that grass and they just hang out there for six plus months and you can just throw chatterbaits frogs punch whatever you want and just get really good at that so like my main, what? I would say my main two favorite baits would be like a chatterbait and a lipless crankbait. And those are like the those two things so that, yeah, yeah, I would just fish in the grass so much. Like I have so many wins like in float tube tournaments and stuff just from fishing a chatterbait or a lipless, you know? Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. Yeah, I was about to say, what were your favorite band? I figured you were going to go with one of those two options. But yeah, those those two options, you know, you do pretty well when you when you get that little, you know, little hang up in the grass and just sticker it over it. And I mean, Derek Brundle's made a career out of it um, <laughs> from what he says, you know, so it's, it's something that one of the one of the best ways or most fun ways to fish i think it's yeah it's, on glass. I mean, it's, it's just chatterbaits and lipless crankbaits yeah like you, uh, to me the only more fun thing maybe is like punching like i love punching i didn't really do too much punching in california honestly i had only caught a few fish punching on that lake just because i don't know i think maybe it takes a little bit higher skill level or just i didn't i couldn't wrap my head around it or something but then i come here and i just punch my heart out and you know catch a ton of fish doing it and now I'm like, oh, I could take this back to California and go back to that lake and probably punch and just wreck them because there's nobody that punches on that lake for the most part. Yeah, I think punch is one of those things where you really have to commit to it. Yeah. You really have to commit. To, I mean, if you really want to get good at punching, because that one is one of those things where you really have to keep an eye on the small details where you're going to punch. You know, when you're... When you're on a swim bait, any moving bait, right? Um, you find a point, you find a hump, whatever. You just know you got to move it across. Yeah, but you're covering punching, a lot more water. Yeah, punching is like okay. You have this place where there's full of grass. Where in this big lot of grass would the fish congregate? Because a lot of it is you're not going to see it from the surface. Yeah. So where would where would they be? And you know what is it going to? I think. It's really more than anything, punching really takes like you really have to pay attention to everything that's surrounding you and looking for clues on where you're going to punch. You're not going to cover a lot of ground because you're just going to flip it in one spot 
yeah. you know, dangle it a couple of times, then reel it back up. If that doesn't work, so it's gonna be like very methodical movement. If you want to cover a lot of ground, it's like, yeah, you punch here, then two feet to the right, you punch, <laughs> or two feet to the left, two feet. From, you know, it's very methodical. It's very you really have to commit to it, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, you do. I mean, that's kind of like why part of the issue probably was I'd probably punch 10 minutes at on that lake and I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm not catching it. I'll only pick up a chatterbait and then you just throw a chatterbait. Oh, I caught one on it. Well, I mean, if you just stuck with the punch and like a little bit longer, you might have caught, you know, you might have gotten to one little stretch where you caught five in, you know, 20 minutes or something. Yeah. And like you said, it's not a movie, but it's not something you can, okay, if I miss the cast, I can just swing it around. You know, I can just angle my rod and then kind of get it punches if you didn't really get it where you wanted to then you're gonna have to reel it back up and reel it back again yeah throw it back again so it's very it's a fun way to fish though for yeah sure. it is that's i, I would say my favorite thing hands down has to be punching like people love top water and frogs like that's got to be in my top you know probably my top three four something like that but the punch bite i don't know the way they hit it sometimes they just destroy it and just the big rod with the big weight you know straight braid just that hook set i don't know there's something about it yeah yeah i got a chance to do that last week i'm not gonna say where it is because sure carbashan <laughs> is probably gonna kick my butt if i <laughs> say where i was because she loves that place but it's uh it's just clear water and a lot of grass so i got to do a little punching of it and i actually was about to, when you before you got in i was kind of po was about to post a video on instagram oh yeah um one i caught punching but yeah it's super fun it's definitely fun. oh yeah it's, it's, it's you awesome. just have to commit to it it takes a lot of practice not just yeah, flipping but just knowing where to flip being accurate and knowing where to be accurate but it's super fun definitely so now that you you've in texas um you've also had success outside of texas we know like like i mentioned before Guys here in fishing Texas know who you are, know how good you are. You know better than yourself how good you are. When you look at what you've done in the Hobie BOS, when you look how close you were to in your follow to finishing the top five, and we, we saw that video you posted on Instagram. You know, you missed the hook on a, on a huge bass on top water, which could have could have moved you up with top five even maybe could have won it i don't know how can't remember how far behind you that, got, but, but uh, i think it definitely would have been a top five definitely but yeah it's it's the i mean it was one it would you just that one yeah hook set that would have landed you in another you know premier national event when you look at what and i don't want to you know say that you comparing yourself but for the sake of the podcast and how do you compare yourself when you look at other great anglers like, you know, Christine Fisher, Russ Snyder, Jody Quinn? Where do you see yourself in that list? I mean, honestly, still, it's like, it's weird that people now compare me to them because, you know, when I was first starting kayak and everything's like, oh, those are like the top hammers. Like they're, you know, the top people in the sport. And then now people are putting money up with those people. And I'm like, wow, it's really like you just it's like oh am i dreaming <laughs> like i don't personally you know i mean people like put me in their you know top five list and all this stuff and i'm like all right like if you think i belong there okay but i don't know if i even believe it myself you know sometimes do you feel like you belong in that list 
or do you feel like nah, you still have ways to go? Uh, I mean, I mean, now, be honest, maybe now that I have you know some top yeah. finishes like wins because like when I won Seminole, I was like, okay, you know that maybe, and then like I get the second at Dardanelle, and I was like, okay, well now I'm doing like consistently well in national events, so now. I could understand it more, you know, but before like people knew how much skill I had and everything. And like, they saw what I was doing in Texas, but it's a different animal kind of to take it to, you know, the national level and just go on some lake that you say have never been on before. You've been on, you know, once like for the last tournament a year ago or something and you do well there. It's just a different animal when it's not your home lake or it's not, something where you can go like all the time you know like because there's probably plenty of guys like oh this guy's a hammer but he's just it's his home lake and he just smokes him there you know you put him on somewhere else he might not do very well even though he's an absolute hammer somewhere else yeah i think that's the 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 biggest debate always in kayak fishing it was like oh was he fishing in his home water was his home advantage you know and and i get it you know to a certain point i think um it can diminish it. I think, I really think in order to rank somebody says, Hey man, like Russell, I, as nice as you want to be on a podcast. And I look at it from, from, and I was talking this with Bailey Eichbert, who also has a podcast. He was two weeks ago. We were talking about, you know, kind of ranking other anglers. And it's not that I consider myself any better than anybody else. No, I, of course not, not even close. But I have to approach, I have a podcast and I have to approach it from a journalistic point of view. You know, I have to give my opinion on on things. Um, Not because I'm better at it, but just because the observations, I'm constantly having to, you know, trying to have a pulse on what's going on in order to comment and not say idiotic stuff or (laughs) or things that are not correct, you know, on a podcast. So from that point, you when you talk about, let's say, Russ Knighty, who has done it everywhere, you know, you, there is a point where you say, you know, you want to give as from a from a podcast point of view, you want to you want to give the accolades to everyone out there. But there's a point where you're diminishing what other people like Russ Snyder, like Christine Fisher is doing when you just handing out those compliments to everybody out there just because they won one tournament. You yeah. Know? And I think that to a certain point, you got to say, hey, no, you know, you, you can't diminish what guys at that level are doing where they're winning everywhere, East Coast, West Coast, North, South. Now, you obviously on the cusp of that, you've proven that you can not only win in Texas, which is not an easy feat at all, considering the, the guys that we have fishing here, but you've yeah. done it, you know. You've done it in California, winning your local tournaments in California. So you've pretty much gone coast to coast. So you, I think from that point of view, you're in the cusp of something that people are going to notice. Okay, this is not just a one-hit wonder or some guy that's just yeah. good at this region or at this type of lake. This is a guy that can mix it pretty much everywhere and still come out with, a, if not a win, a respectable result. Is that yeah. you think it's a fair assessment? Yeah, 100%. I think it's... You know, it's all about consistency. You can have, you can do good in one tournament and just, you know, smoke everybody. But if you can't go to the next one and, or the, you know, someone down the line, you know, a couple months later and do well again, like no one's going to remember 
like really that win to an extent, you know, they're going to remember the, that you're just smashing every tournament. Like Russ, like Russ is probably the most consistent angler mm-hmm. out of anybody in kayak fishing. And he can go to any lake anywhere and you know, he's going to be a threat and that he has a good chance of winning it. It doesn't matter what lake you put on really. What are your goals for you personally when it comes to kayak fishing? What do you want to accomplish? Well, my goal every year is to make the tournament of champions. So, because I made it the first year they had it, and then uh, I made it again last year, and then now I'm qualified again. So, I kind of got that out of the way early, and then um, I want. Then after I, uh, well, I'd say even before that, talking about I wanted to win a Hobie. And I did that, I guess, this year early, you know. So, like, I've kind of completed my goals for the year. But now I'm thinking that I want uh, I want to get one of those blue Bassmaster trophies. Like, that's one of my goals now because I have, you know, three Hobie plaques and I have other local trophies and everything. But it's like I don't have one of those. Like, I really want one of those. And then another one – it would be like i fish uh i'm starting to fish some you know boat team tournaments with my buddies i don't know if you would consider this at all i want to get like uh some some kind of trophy or plaque or something in a boat because i can do it in the kayak i can do it in the float tube i need to do it in the boat now but i don't know that, that kind of rounds it up yeah from a personal level i'm not interested in you going well I wouldn't mind. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of anglers out there says, yeah, I don't mind if Brian Hall decides to ditch his kayak and get a boat. Yeah. <laughs> that means he's going to get a lot of tournaments. That's fine. <laughs> and I, I say that with respect. But, yeah, I can see from a personal standpoint, you um, as an angler, you says, hey, man, I've done it in tube. I've done it in kayak. I want to do it in the boat. I hope, honestly, I hope that we don't lose you. I don't. I know you're a big name talent that's coming up and the sport is growing. So I really hope you st- – kayak fishing is uh it's going to be your primary um or your main yeah, focus but yeah I, that's still my main yeah, focus we don't it's want not lose. like it's not my boat you know it's my buddy's boat so i'm on the back yeah. hey but, that, that's the know, best way to get a boat <laughs> yeah somebody else's <laughs> yeah that's the best way <laughs> get a buddy that has a boat and that's it see that's what I, like my buddies are always trying to come like oh why don't you buy a boat why don't you buy a boat i'll use that money you won for the tournament buy a boat i'm like i love kayaking I personally personally i prefer being in the kayak i enjoy it more than being on the boat the boat's fun but it's not something where you know i want to be paying the maintenance all the time and i want to be taking the boat out all the time it's nice to have a buddy with a boat like my friend lives you know five minutes up the street and we can go fish a tournament a local tournament or whatever like last weekend we went to fork and we fished uh the media bass team tournament we got fourth place so that's good we won like 1100 bucks or something i was like this is fun but it's not like where I want to be every weekend, like, oh, I want to do a boat turn, a boat turn. No, I'd rather be in the kayak. It's just more enjoyable to me, more peaceful. I like the aspect where you can launch wherever, you know, you don't have to have like the takeoff and everything where, oh, your boat number 55, well, you're going to be sitting there a while or whatever, you know? Like, I'd rather just yeah. be able to go immediately, take off and fish my spot i don't want to have to wait and you know bringing the fish in i think that cpr you know the like the tournaments that we just take yeah just catch full release tournaments like 
I think it's a lot better on the fish yeah, than definitely throwing them in the live well all day and everything. And say, for example, on a lake like Fork, we had to fish for unders or, you know, if you get lucky, you can catch an yep. over. But you're fetching, you're fishing for fish under 16 inches. And it's like, I feel like one of these days, maybe at least on slot lakes like that, the boat guys will get with the CPR tournaments. And then we can just, you know, count everything. Like you catch a 19 incher in a kayak tournament, you know, you're, just thrilled with that but you catch a 19 incher in a boat tournament you're like oh man really you're just throwing it back you're upset you know yeah i know i i get the standpoint like say the bass masters because they have that kind of like feels like wwe you know when they drive up with their trucks and they have the lights yeah. the, everything the big stage and they put the bass out yeah you know i get that and i think that would be lost if you go to cpr hey there's a picture of the fish here yeah it doesn't have the same effect obviously for the people that are there you know yeah because you know because it's more like like a show like an expo you know and uh and you know kind of like there's there's the, the dynamics of it is different but to me when you see those small clubs and everything there's not really that ex i mean no. for the angler yes but there's not really that fanfare that comes to see you at a boat dock with five people weigh the fish <laughs> on the water. I mean, just take a, I, I, for, and I guess I'm biased because I'm a kayak angler, but I like to see that. I mean, if you're talking about small clubs, just take the picture of it. And I, you know, there's a lot of shady stuff that goes on with those two. Cause there's a lot, you know, there's both tournaments out there. They have an extra machine to see if the, fish have been you know full of pump full of lead pellets yeah. to get him to wait and that's that's to me is like seriously how how sick are you when you think like stuff like that so to me it's like yeah especially on spawning did you got to fish um uh, lake fork for the bass masters this year yeah i mean it was ridiculous the amount of people yeah, it that was there. i, I had a nice. spot where the 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 i got the mail it the spot was blown up because the guy when i went to pre-fishing i saw the nest i'm like okay this is where i'm coming tomorrow bunch of people started going to there it's like there's no way i'm getting over there now so i went mm-hmm. after boats started moving out and i talked to some kayak anglers because i caught the male but i couldn't find the female that was there the other day and there was the guys were saying yeah there was there was this guy's just on a boat just they caught the the female. She was 18 inches from what the guys were telling me, but it was a slot limit. Um, yeah. So all this time they had the female in the live well while they were going back for the male because they couldn't enter the female in the tournament because she was too big. So it blew up the spot. The female was just gone. She left the nest. When I got there, she was gone. She's like, and, you know, you don't blame it. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, I wish, and I guess I'm being biased again because I'm a kayak angler, but I I would really love to see that from a biological standpoint. You know, is that the word I want to use? From conservative standpoint, you know, I would like to see. Oh, like conservation, like. Just, conservation, yeah. that's the word I'm looking yeah. for, yes. Because um, I don't know. I don't, I don't like that, you know, especially on spawning. Yeah, spawning. You know, you kinda... just you're leaving that nest empty yeah you know 
to take a, a, a fish two, three, five, ten miles out to the boat dock and just drop it in there. She's not going to find that, her nest again. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, so. yeah, exactly. I think there was but some, I watched some video about a study they did about the fish, like that, you know, they weighed in and everything. And most of them kind of stayed around uh, where they, you know, released them for a few months yeah. and then they kind of dispersed after that. But you're, I mean, some make it back, just most of them probably don't. They're yeah, and again, nothing They're against... find new spots or whatever, but they also make the argument that it's the amount of fish caught and weighed in by tournaments, you know, is not a huge, a significant amount of the fish in the lake. You know, it's it's a small percentage of the fish in the lake. So That's true, but when you look at Lake Fork, which I've gone – on a Monday and there's a freaking tournament <laughs> on a Monday. I mean, on a Monday, I mean, it's like, if you say, yeah, there's one tournament, you know, yeah, it's not one tournament. It's every day you have a tournament in the spring. Every day you have a tournament like for pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Fork gets hammered. But yeah I, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I'm exaggerating. When I say every day, maybe, maybe not, but I'm not <laughs> exaggerating where I tell you I've gone on a Monday and I've seen tournament, both tournaments over there. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying they can't fish for because we do it as kayak anglers. I'm just saying I wish they would transition more to, to instead of waiting, um, taking them to the dock just like CPR format. Yeah, I, I think it would make. Yeah, I feel like on fork it would make a lot of sense because of the slot limit. Like, wouldn't you be like? Wouldn't you want to count those four pounders you're catching? Yeah. Like, I don't. I mean, if you, it's one of those it, things where you're like, well, I'm too good to be in this tournament, you know. It's not me, not me. I'm not saying that. Just, let me clarify that. As somebody that's really good at fishing and is kind of like, you know, catching big fish has become an art and second nature. That's great. You're going to suck at this tournament because half your fish, you're not going to be able to spot. You know, kind of yeah. thing. It's like, it's not a good measure of who's the best fisherman out there if the guy who's really slaying them doesn't count. Yeah, kind of to an extent. Like when I was fishing the tournament last weekend, it was like you had to go at it with a different mindset. You couldn't go into it and, you know, throw your normal baits because you're just going to be catching, you know, like, 18 yeah, throw all day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Throw a net rig, you know, throw like a finesse spinner bait. Throw just I came to Lake Fork to throw a net rig. <laughs> yeah. 14-inch bass. Yeah, I you have to do that. <laughs> like that's a weird – I was throwing a net rig, you know, a finesse spinner. Lake my Fork. buddy – yeah, and like you're throwing a, something bigger, and like ah, dang it! Like I caught a, I caught a four pounder. Like I, I in the tournament, I caught like two four pounders, and I was like ah, oh, you get disappointed when you see him jump. You're like ah, oh, man, like really? To, it's a slot. It's not like you went to Lake Grapevine or Lake Arlington. You had to go to the biggest bass factory in Texas, yeah, or at least bass capital of the world. <laughs> yeah, and to cut and throw a net rig and cut fourteen inch fish. That's I don't know. Makes yeah. no sense. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> One uh, what's been your <laughs> what's been your biggest win today? You, I mean, not your biggest wins in the sense of a paycheck or the event, but the win that you've been most proud of. Maybe it wasn't like the biggest tournament, but it was you know something where you kind of figured it out and you feel really good about the work that you did. Even if it wasn't the biggest, if it was even if it wasn't seminal, what do you? feel like from a standpoint of figuring out the bite and putting in the work, what to use one of the, the, the tournaments that you're most proud of. 
I mean, I would say it's still my biggest one, Seminole, because Seminole. It, yeah, I mean, just breaking two hundred inches over two days, you know, like that. I didn't That's think impressive. I would ever do that, you know. Yeah, I never thought that was gonna happen at all. And the fact that everyone, for the most part, a lot of the guys were like, "Oh, it's so tough. Oh, the bite's so tough." And then you know, you go and just bust them, and break records, and everything. And it's like. And it wasn't just like, oh, I was way ahead of everyone else. I had Joey Vanyo just right there on my tail, just, you know, making it. So, he, I mean, he broke 200, too. Like, he had the the two-day record for a couple hours till I submitted my fish, you know. It was it was just a slugfest, I guess, for us. And we had it figured out. And then a lot of the other guys were really struggling. And I would say that's just my... I mean, my biggest win, you know, I guess from biggest field and biggest amount of money I've ever won or anything, but also just, I mean, just breaking a hundred, breaking a hundred in a tournament in the first place, it, that's a dang good day, right? But doing it two days yeah. in a row, I mean, it's, I mean, you just can't believe it when you, you know, are catching them like that. And even though it's like Seminole, which is another, you know, legendary bass factory, but it's also a lake that's really high pressured. So, yeah, you know. Seminole does have a lot of tournaments and everything. And it's not, yeah. and also it's not like it was my, you know, it was, I mean, I don't want to say anything about like my fork tournament wins or, you know, anytime I've done good at fork, but like I live an hour from fork, so I can go to fork whenever I want and kind of just fish it and, learn new spots or whatever but i can't go to seminal all the time like i had only been one other time before and that was you know the previous hobie tournament the year before and that was the only other time i had been to seminal so it wasn't like oh i went to fork and you know i've been fishing it for a couple years or anything like you know it's a lake i only went to one other time and i ended up breaking 200 inches that's awesome Again, that speaks to the level of your talent. Are you uh, are you taking part in the? Um, I keep calling it the classic because it kind of coincides with the classic, but it's not really the classic. But the um, classic, for lack of a better term, the um, the championship, the Master, championship. Yeah. yeah, kayak series. No, unfortunately, I didn't qualify. No. All I did fished- you qualify for the next one with the your um, either with the Ufala or any other tournament you've done in Bass? No, not yet. I think you need like what top ten percent or something. And you know, I've, yeah, I've got to so. check. I got to check it both bass events this year. But you know, I got like the last check at the the fork one, and I got like the second to last check at the last that you follow one. Like, I mean, if Are I would have gonna... had that fish, if I would have had that fish, though, I would have been qualified. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, that's that that makes it sting all the more. Yeah, exactly. Um, what are, are you? Do you have any eyes on any tournament, bass tournament, whether it's uh, you know state club or national level, to qualify for the? Is that one of your biggest, you know, one of your main goals for for next year? You know, to qualify for the. I would like to qualify for it. I mean, like I said, my goal is to just get one of those blue trophies, and if I, I mean, if I get one of those trophies, I'm qualified, right? So I guess yeah, that's the same goal there. So yeah, but it's not like my. It's not like my top goal, like, oh, I really want to qualify. It's not for an obsession, championship. Yeah. No, it's not like an obsession. Like, for qualifying for the to- the Hobie TOC, like, that, to me, is the highest level 
tournament really because yeah it is. it's just the top 50 people like it's not like oh you, you know 150 people qualify or 200 or whatever for bass like like since for last year what was it? it's probably you know 200 people qualified or something for the one for at pk this year so it's like i mean it's just not the same yeah level of competition like you have 50 guys and all of them have proven to be just not just okay people you know like they did you know they did okay and qualified or whatever like they're just the top 50 people basically in kayak fishing yeah and i and i have to agree i agree with what you're saying right there 100 i also agree with what ryan lambert has mentioned um on his podcast and on his um facebook group um and it's the fact that bass we're, we're all happy that bass nation is getting involved in kayak fishing i still don't feel like they're giving us the due respect i think i really think and offense to steve owen and Dwayne valley because i know they're doing their part but yeah. bass as an organization they're not i don't expect them to make kayak fishing like the center of their sport because obviously they got bigger fish to fry literally with, yeah. with what they're doing you know bassmaster classic and all that i don't expect kayak fishing to to take over that but i do expect by now the second year that some changes will be made to show a little bit more commitment on their part to the sport instead of just like hey we're here to take money i i yeah. i i again i all the respect to steve owen Dwayne valley i know they're doing a good job i i don't put it on them but i still feel with all the respect that bass is not it's just really in it for the money right now as far as kayak fishing i think there has to be an angle of the year points i think yeah. um the the again i keep calling it the classics not the classic but the uh the kayak series championship should be more of an elite group and um i like what they're doing with the local clubs though you know tennessee has one i don't know when texas i thought texas was going to get I mean, there were talks uh, that Texas was going to have. Yeah, there's talks that, you know, yeah, they got really, my, I don't know. I heard that they were actually scheduled and events was already put in place and everything for okay. Texas. And all of a sudden, I don't know what happened that in the, those plans never got through. I don't know. I really don't know. But I, re I remember scheduling some stuff and somebody told me, well, Texas is going to have its own Bass Nation, you know, Texas Trail you know, club and whatever you want to call it. And it falls on this date. So it's like, oh, there's not only is it official, but it says, well, it's not official, but they already have the schedules they want to put out. I'm like, really? And then nothing. And then I never heard from it again. So I don't know. Yeah. Two quick. I know we've talked for an hour and I don't want to keep you, uh, you know, take too much time away from you. So I appreciate you again coming in. There's two things that I want to Two things. First of all, I want to, you know, I want to let you, you know, give thanks to everybody. You want to thank sponsors, family members. What do you want to thank? But I also wanted to ask you, and I'm going to put you on the spot if you answer if you want. If not, I, you know, you can always edit this find out. Um, <laughs> TKC, not blaming anybody, but there was there was a point where something happened, and a lot of people felt that you got wrong. Um, apparently those, that thing got fixed. Shout out to K KBN group for all the crap that the K KBN group takes. They do a lot of wrong things and they make a lot of wrong things right. And one of those things we can completely credit it is to Brian Howell getting his money. Like he should have, or not having to pay the money back or yeah. paying it back and getting it back. Whatever the case was. 
thoughts, not going into detail if you don't want to, but has that been resolved and you okay with the outcome and how things are? Any hard feelings to what happened to TKC? So it was resolved. You know, I got the money. I mean, I lost like the spot for uh, AOI. Like I dropped down and something else. I don't know. It's not, I mean, it wasn't like a hundred percent right, but they did their best. They basically could after everything happened. And I don't have any hard feelings towards those guys at all. You know, it's, they changed the rules. They made, you know, fixed basically everything that I had brought to their attention. And now, you know, I, I mean, I fished the Hubbard Creek event and that was fine and everything. And I'll still probably fish more. So nothing against them anymore. Cool. Well, I'm glad it got maybe not exactly too whatever you really like him, but at least you got the money back and uh and hopefully it's something that's not gonna happen again. And again, no not throwing shades at anybody out there. I know the guys that are yeah, organizing the they, great I mean, people, you know, mistakes. Yeah, exactly. They did, yeah, they did what they thought was right, but obviously, you know, a majority of everyone else thought that was wrong and it wasn't okay. And obviously, you know, everybody knows how I felt about it. Like, it wasn't okay yeah. with me. And they didn't realize, I think, that it would get that big. Backlash. And, uh, yeah, that they wouldn't have that much backlash. <laughs> Don't so underestimate the KBN group, people. Yeah, <laughs> they kind of had exposed. a backpedal on it a bit and <laughs> do something about it because it wasn't a good look for them, I think they realized. That was the most fun thread, not in a good way, <laughs> but the most interesting. <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of people on there. Yeah, that was like, yeah, nobody. I don't usually comment a lot of it because a lot of stuff is like, why am I going to comment on this? Yeah, yeah. But that one, I was like, no, nah, you know, that's some things you just got to get right. Yeah, but, I mean, even like there was some other people, like some bigger names and stuff like in my inbox like telling them oh this is not right like people that didn't want to get involved in the drama but like wanted to show support you know so i appreciated yeah. that so there was even more people but they just didn't want to get involved like probably like how you didn't want to get involved with it you like you just wanted to sit back and watch and enjoy the show yeah, it was it was <laughs> crack open a beer. Yeah. this is gonna be fun this is gonna be fun exactly <laughs> all right so before i let you go anybody you want to thank uh, I got to thank my wife for letting me always fish probably more than I should. <laughs> uh, <laughs> then uh, my friends and family in California and in Texas. Um, and then Dobbins Rods. I fish all Dobbins Rods. They are amazing. I can't recommend them enough. Awesome. Anybody else? That's it? That's it. And, and you for having me on here. Nah, man, I enjoyed thank it. You. Thank you. Uh, taking time out of your day is um it's pretty cool so thank you for 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 doing that so i appreciate it so anyways for those out there listening there you go brian howell take the <laughs> leaderboard on any tournament out there national local tournament texas you're gonna see his name a lot um so we wish you the best brian uh i mean excited to see what comes next uh both locally and nationally so you know keep doing what you're doing man and uh hopefully more great things will come, and we'll see you out there hoisting those Bass Nation uh, plaques. Yeah, hopefully. Get get them to, you know, to recognize this sport a little bit more. Yep. For sure. Well, for those out there listening, thank you again for joining the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast. You made it this far. We do appreciate it. Remember, if you're going to be out on the water, please wear your PFDs. 
take all the necessary precautions to get home safe. Go check out my sponsor, Douglas Rods, douglasoutdoors.com. Check out their full lineup, LRS Rods and X Matrix Rods, some of the best rods in the business. So thank you again. Have a great night, everybody. Peace out. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle in Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, in fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle in Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, in fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle in Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com.